I am excited to share this word with you today. Are you ready for the word this morning? All right, 1 Timothy chapter 4. So uh, we, we've come to the end of uh, 21 day, days of fasting, and uh, uh, so many of you have testified about how successful that time of fasting was, and Ben did an incredible job. I got to hear the message online of, of you know, just sharing about what God put in his heart for America and that God's still not done, that God can still do great things here and the church needs to be prepared and ready, right? And also just talked about how it was a successful 21 days for him of fasting and how God really calls us to uh, a lifestyle of, of being devoted to him. And so I was excited about that 21-day fast. I'm still trying to work out how we're going to share these testimonies that have been put in, but we still have a box there and some papers. If God ministered to you throughout the fast, did something in your life, we'd love for you to write it on that piece of paper and put it in that, um, that nice box that's right on that table so that we can hear how God ministered to you throughout this 21-day fast. And so after the 21-day fast, um, said, Lord, where do we go from here? How do we move forward in regards to the preaching and the teaching of the Word? And I, I, I felt strongly, I felt impressed that we need to, again, uh, have some vision alignment, okay? Have some vision alignment. I want to talk to you about aligning to the vision that God has given us here at The Rock. In other words, I would like for us to consider, again, the vision that we believe God has given us as a church, and we want to talk about it today and, and consider it deeply and pray that God would help us to focus all of our energy, strength, our hearts, and our minds on that which he has called us to accomplish. Now, I'm, I know that I'm not alone on this. I'm believing that I'm not alone on this, and I'm hoping that I can get some sympathy from you. Okay? There are days where I wake up in the morning, and I, have, I am resolute that I'm going to get something done. There's this one thing that's super important that needs to get done, and somehow, some way, life happens, right? Distractions come my way. And those distractions at times derail me. I let them, I should say, I let them derail me from focusing on the things that really matter, the things that I said I would set out to do. Anybody with me? Anybody ever been there with me? Man, and it's so deflating, isn't it? You can get accomplished so many things, but when you don't get accomplished the thing that you know that you need to get done, it just, it's so deflating. It's, ah, I'm just, I still got that on my checklist. I still got that to do. I remember early as a pastor, I, I came into ministry um, you know, from a social work and a counseling background uh, with this idea that I can log my hours a certain way and be completely aware of the productivity and how I'm doing things. And yeah, right. Right? And so you come into ministry and you, you got this set of skills. You think that you can come into pastoral ministry and be able to kind of tie in some things. But I was completely unprepared to be ready to deal with the distractions that come as you set out to do the, the ministry that God's called you to do. Because there's a bunch of ministries, right? A bunch of things that you can do, but they're not necessarily the thing that you're called to do. And in one of those times where I was here at the altar and I was praying and I was asking God for direction, I was just feeling deflated because, again, I just feel like, man, I've been so distracted. I was, everything has been a big distraction uh, and, and just can't get done the things that I feel strongly that I'm called to do. And the Lord, the Lord I believe reveal certain things to me, and I've shared them with you. I've shared them with certain individuals. I shared them in messages, and that is this. I felt like the Lord was saying, you know, the devil's not, the devil at this point in your life, it's not about you denying me, and it's not about, you know, as Jesus were speaking to me, it's not about you walking away from me. The devil's game plan for you is not for you to deny me at this point in your life. 
His game plan is to distract you. And he's going to send all kinds of things to distract you from keeping so that you can keep from doing the thing that God's called you to do. And then I realized then at that time, wow, I begin this journey of understanding that there are a bunch of distractions that come our way. Um, a, a bunch of different things, whether they come because they're, they're things that we want to see done or others want to see done. There's just a lot of things that come our way in life and in ministry, right? In life and in ministry that really keep us at times from doing the things that God's called us to do. So we have to be, we have to be very resolute. We have to be very committed to say, I'm only going to do what God's called me to do. And how many of y'all know that that's difficult, right? How many of y'all know that that means saying no to a lot of things? When we make a decision to say, we're only going to do what God's called us to do, we're saying a whole lot of no. I mean, no is, no, no, saying no becomes a lifestyle. So, to the leaders of the church, I would like to say this. If we do not focus on what God has called us to do, we will get distracted. Because there will be a multiplicity of ministry ideas that the devil will present us that look good, that are not the God purpose. We have to be focused on what God called us to do. To the church body, to those of you who are believers and who are a part of the rock, I'd like to encourage you to hold us accountable and expect us to talk about the vision that God's given this church. Expect us to talk about how... God is call, what God's called us to do, how we're using the resources that God has given us. Expect us to talk about the goals that we have set for the future so that we do not get derailed and spend resources and time and energy and things that God has not called us to invest in. As a church body, you should hold the church accountable in that sense. Remember what Randy Young, a minister who was with us, said, if purpose doesn't unite us, preference will divide us. And I tell you what, if purpose doesn't unite us, if we don't stay focused on what God's called us to do, there's a bunch of ideas and things that are going to be floating around that we're supposed to do. It's not really the will of God at all. We got to be bold, courageous, and do what God's called us to do. And to our visitors who are here today, um, who, who are not necessarily yet a part of the church, or not necessarily um, um, in leadership and ministry or anything like that, I'd like to say this to you. God has created you with a purpose. Ephesians chapter 2 says that you are God's workmanship, His masterpiece. God has created you in Jesus, and He's created you with a purpose, with a work that He has prepared for you to do. And the last thing the devil wants to do, or the, the last thing the devil wants you to do, uh, the devil doesn't want you to wake up to the reality that you're special to God. He doesn't want you to wake up to the reality that you have purpose in life. He doesn't want you to wake up to the reality that you're, you're called to be loved by him, to be, that, you're, that you, you are desired by him and that he has things for you to do. He doesn't want you to wake up. But rest assured that as a ministry, our desire is that we would all be awake to God and that we would all be awake to that reality. So as we consider our vision statement, now that I said all that, as we consider our vision statement, I'd like to share with you a verse that uh, I've been chewing on for many years, and that's 1 Timothy chapter 4, 16. If we can go to that verse now. Timothy, uh, it says this. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them, because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Now that word doctrine, 
Some, some people say teaching. Some people say principles. Watch the principles that you say that you live by. Okay? Watch what you say that you live by and watch your life. Watch them closely and persevere. In other words, make sure that those things, there's alignment in those things. Persevere in it, because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Now, as we consider that, as we consider that, there are certain things that we need to take notice of what Paul said to Timothy here. Number one, a person can lose sight of God's vision for life if they don't keep focus on it. Number two, a person has to ensure their lives line up with God's vision for life. One can teach something that they're not living up to. You guys ever, ever seen that before? You guys ever known that before? Have we ever taught something we're not necessarily living up to? The true worth of the teaching or our doctrine or our principle or the vision that God's given a church is not found in the way that they stated or the way that they marketed or the way that it's preached, but rather in the way that it's lived out. Are you with me? The way that it's lived out. This also informs us that it, our response to the Scripture and God's vision for us will not only affect us, but those that we lead. So our principles, our principles, the way that we live, the way that we do life, and also as a church, the vision that we have set and the way that we honor what God's called us to do or not will affect not only me and the leadership, but it will affect all of us. Right? It will affect all of us. And so as we consider that verse, I want us to keep it in mind as we consider the vision that God has given this church. And the vision statement is simply this. Real people from all walks of life advancing the kingdom of God through the power of the Holy Spirit. As we set out as a church and, um, to do the will of God, how is God fulfilling His purpose through us? What, what is God doing uniquely here at The Rock in Oregon, Ohio, what is special about this place? Well, I believe this is our unique call. We are called to be real people from all walks of life, advancing the kingdom of God through the power of the Holy Spirit. And I, and I love that verse. I, I love that. Uh, number one, I didn't come up with that, right? Uh, I actually, there was actually a vision statement that I remember just, um, praying through, believing it was it was the deal that God had for us for a season, and and that just that was okay for that season. And I just felt when it was time to let that go, I said, God, we really need you to come through. And we sat with the staff and we begin to pray and just really seek, what is God doing? What is God doing? What is God doing? How is God speaking? And this is how we've heard from the Lord um, uh, this statement: real, that we are real people from all walks of life, advancing the kingdom of God through the power of the Holy Spirit. Let me just say this. This statement is not just a statement of something that we're doing. It is a statement of someone we are. Do you see that? It's not just something we're doing, but someone we are. It's, not, it's also not a reality for the future. It's a reality right now. Right? And so it's a statement of being, and it's a statement of doing. And I want us to focus uh, on the two portions of that. Number one... We are people from all walks of life, and I want to talk about that today. What is the rock? You will find the rock if you come here to the 9 o'clock, and if you go to the, 10, the 11 o'clock service, you'll find this, that God has made the rock a beautiful multicultural church, and undeniably, that is how he has called us to be and to grow. 
The beauty of the rock is not only that we're a people from all walks of life, but also that we are one. We walk in unity in the midst of great diversity, right? We're being that, and we're growing in that. Are you with me? So America is a place with a multiplicity of cultures, right? So what makes us different as a church body is not that just that we have a multiplicity of culture, that, but, but that we're striving for the oneness that God has called us to have the unity of the kingdom of God. And we're seeing it, and God is doing it. It's a beautiful thing. You see, if we're truly a people that are from all walks of life, then, then we should be able to look around this room and notice different nationalities. This room has people with different jobs and positions, callings and interests. This room is filled with people who see things differently politically because there are certain values that they consider to need greater attention than others. This church has people who have different hobbies and musical preferences. We have a church leadership that reflects the diversity of the church. There are people here who have been delivered from all kinds of different sinful lifestyles. Uh, there are some who could say, I've been delivered from addictions to alcohol and to drugs. There are some who could say, I've been delivered from a religious spirit. I've been in church all my life, but I just got saved, right? I was critical. Uh, there are some here who said, I've been set free from all kinds of sexual addictions and from a homosexual lifestyle and so forth. There are some who are here who would say, I've been delivered from gossip, and it's the greatest deliverance in my life, right? And it's a powerful deliverance, and the church needs it. Can I get an amen? Right? And so there are people here who come from a multiplicity of backgrounds who have been saved from a multiplicity of things, and we do not separate separate because of who we were in the past we unite because of who we are through the cross we do not separate because of who we were in the past or even because of what we're patterned to be or whatever it may be we unite because of the power of the cross you see in the midst of all these differences it should be obvious to everyone that what unites us is greater than our differences and our background uh, and also a greater than our background. And the reason why is because that unity, that uniting peace, is not, it's not just a what, it's a who. Who unites us? Jesus Christ unites us. The Lord Jesus Christ unites us. It is a who. And Paul said it this way when he came to knowing Jesus. Whatever were gains to me, I now consider it lost. Philippians 3, 7 on down. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider lost for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom's sake I've lost all things. I want you to know this. Paul had political clout, you know, in the religious system. Taught by Gamaliel, the, the, the greatest teacher of, of the Pharisees of, of the time. He had a lot to flaunt, and he had a lot to talk about, right? Uh, and he could have used. But he said, you know what? For knowing Jesus, for being a part of Jesus, it, it, in regards to being a part of Jesus, I would count all that stuff worthless for the sake of knowing Jesus. And I got to ask, I want us to ask ourselves this question. Are we, have we come to this place of faith in Christ where we have, let go of all things for the sake of Jesus? Have we come to this place of surrender to Jesus and to his community where political positions, where preferences, or whatever it may be,
do not get in the way of us entering into fellowship and into being one accord with each other. Okay? I want us to just I want us to just consider that reality today. Paul said, I'm willing to let go of everything. Paul was even willing to let go of the Jewish community that he was so entrenched in to go into a Gentile world. And notice when he goes into the Gentile world, he didn't expound his loss on them. He actually spoke to them in a way that they could understand. He said, I become all things to all people so that some may be saved. It's very interesting. Now, the power of the cross breaks through the spiritual and social dividing wall that exists among us, and it makes us one. Now, this happens not just because Jesus did something back then on the cross. This happens because Jesus is doing something in us through his Holy Spirit right now. Right? His Holy Spirit is at work in us, and His cross is alive in us, and His power is alive in us. And that's why, uh, that's why we are real people from all walks of life here, because His cross is alive today. His work is alive today. His Spirit is alive in us today. He makes us, number one, as a body, He makes us look forward to each other. I don't know about you, but when I, when I think of church, I look forward to the fellowship. I look forward to the fellowship. Uh, when, I, when, I think, when I think of the brothers I do life with, with you, I look forward to hearing the testimonies of what God's moving in your life. I look forward to times like pizza with the pastor. You know, I want to hear what God's doing in your life. I look forward to getting, you know, setting appointments and hearing uh, the breakthroughs that God's doing in your life. I want to also hear the things that you're suffering with. I want to pray with you. I believe, I believe what C.S. Lewis said. Nothing cements the heart of believers more than praying together, right? And, and if we're going to be at the other side of the celebration, let's get together at the side of the war, right? So that we can celebrate together. I believe that. When the Spirit of God is alive in us, we look forward to being with each other. Let me ask you something. Is the Spirit of God alive in you enough to the point that you look forward to being with the believers, with the saints? Second, he makes us think highly or reverent of each other. Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 says this very clearly. Do not think too highly of yourself, but honor others above yourself. Right? Man, I look forward to being with you because when I think of you, I think about everything that God is doing in your life and how God's moving in your life. And I just get excited about it. Uh, um, uh, Nick and Brian are not here, but they've been a blessing to me because... Brian would say, man, that brother Nick, oh, man, he's such a blessing, man. That's a, that's a good brother. Oh, man, just excited to hear what's going on in this life. And then you talk to Nick, and you say, hey, Nick, how you doing? Man, doing good, hanging out with Brian, man. That's a good dude, man, brother Brian. He's just a blessing, right? And you hear that, right? They're encouraging each other. When the Holy Spirit is alive in us, when we're the people that God's called us to be, we not only look forward to the fellowship, we hold each other in high esteem. No matter where we come from, no, what, what we experience in the past, or even what our positions may be politically, even if they differ, we honor each other because what we agree upon is greater than what we disagree upon. He makes us aware of each other. When the Holy Spirit is alive in us, when, when uh, we become a, a body that's united, the Holy Spirit makes us aware of each other. I, I am aware of, of, of the hurts and the wounds and the sorrows 
from the grief of my brother and sister. So that I'm not saying things that I may think it's funny, but may grieve them. You know? So that I'm not just, you know, doing things that are just going to aggravate my brother and my sister in Christ. I have a reverence. And because my relationship with them matters, I'm going to carry myself in a way that's honorable. Let me just get a little... Let me talk about social media and what I hate about social media. Uh, (laughs) The reason I hate social media, it's not because... Okay, I like that social media gives us a voice. I think we need to be able to communicate what we believe. But what I hate about social media is that you don't... Social media doesn't impress upon us the reverence we need to have for each other. So oftentimes we can say things without considering the people that God's called us to relate to the most. But we'll post something on there, not realizing how offensive it could be to somebody. And then that has become a hindrance for us to walk as one body. And I don't even know it. Because it wasn't something I would, you know, because the thing that I said on social media may be a little bit bolder than the way I would have said it if I was talking to someone face to face. You know, I never meant to be offensive. Never was, never even crossed my mind. But now all of a sudden, you know, because of my freedom of speech, instead of doing what James calls us to do, quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger, I put something out there without having reverence. And so, again, I think we, it's a great platform to be able to communicate the gospel and to share good news and, the tr- and truth. But I, I think we, we have to consider, well, boy, we're in relationship. Any married folk here? It seems to me, I'm going to try to walk really lightly through this. It seems to me that there are times, okay, and I'm sure my wife will say the same thing about me. I'm not saying that there are no issues in my life. Behold, I am thy pastor. I have issues. Many issues I haveth. The recorder is on. It seems to me that many that there are times where my wife would say something or express something, and it may be a continual thing, and I'm like, look, I know exactly what that is. This is what you have to do. Just go ahead and do it. But there is a restraint in me that says, tread lightly. Thou sayest that, thou will receive the coucheth. Right? Right? I mean, there's a restraint in me that says, you may have the answer to that, but it's not only the answer, but the way you go about communicating that really matters right now. Right? And because I live with my wife, it's in my best interest to really think about what I'm going to say and how I'm going to say it. Can I get a witness? Can I get a brother saying amen? Right? And it could be vice versa, right? Listen, when we're in a relationship with each other and we're saying we're a multicultural church with people who come from all different backgrounds and all different you know, walks of life, we have to accept that some people just see things differently and we have to have the grace to think about when we're going to communicate truth. When I prepare a message, I think about all of you, and I think, man, when I'm, when I'm, you know, this may drive you a little nuts, but when I'm up here, I, I know that there are people who ha- have all kinds of different preconceived notions about life. We all have them. I have them. And we need to put them on the cross if we're going to unite for the things that really matter, the cross of Jesus Christ. Can I say that? Is that all right? He makes us aware of each other. 
He makes us to listen to each other. James 1.19, quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Man, I, Lord, do that in me. I want to learn to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Anybody with me? So, so who has God called us to be? As we look at that vision statement, I believe that we need to do persevere in it, just like Paul told Timothy. Watch your life and doctrine closely. We need to watch our life, our ministry, and the vision that God's given us closely. God's called us to be real people from all walks of life, advancing the kingdom of God through the power of the Holy Spirit. And if we're going to be united, if we're going to be that real people that God's called us to be from all walks of life, right? Then we're going to have to allow the Holy Spirit to do such a deep work in us that we look forward to each other, value each other, be concerned and, and be aware of each other, right? And listen to each other. If that is not a desire in your heart, if that's not something that matters to us, I think we need to really consider how deeply the work of the cross is doing a work in us. I know, I know of no such Christian that can say he loves God and doesn't love his people enough to want to connect with them in this way. Right? John says it. If you say you love God and you don't love your brother, you're a liar. And if you look at love and what love does in 1 Corinthians 13, that's a steep list. Anybody with me? Come on now. Are you with me? Real people from all walks of life. And what are we doing? We're advancing the kingdom of God through the power of the Holy Spirit. What does it mean to advance the kingdom of God through the power of the Holy Spirit? Well, we have been talking a lot lately about what it means when, when we say the kingdom of God. Primarily, it means that God is king. Can I say that? God is king. He's not a president. It's not a democracy. No one elects him, right? He is God. He's on the throne. And we are his people. Consequently, praise God that he is a good king, right? And his kingdom is a kingdom of righteousness and of peace and of joy. In other words, he loves righteousness and justice. His judgments are good, always. His judgments are better than ours. And this is something that he does. He is the prince of peace. He loves his people to live in peace. Do you have peace today? Because his kingdom is not a kingdom of anxiety. It's not a kingdom of fear. It is a kingdom of peace. The kingdom people of God are ruled by the peace of God. I would suggest to you, brothers and sisters, that there are a lot of us who are forsaking that promise. We're just kind of going through ministry and through life, and there's not much peace in our lives. I would say to you, let's get in the altar, let's get on our knees, let's confess it to our brothers and sisters, and let's seek God and say, God, where is that peace your word talks about? Your kingdom is a kingdom of righteousness, peace, and joy, and I need peace right now, and we need to lay claim to the promises of God. Amen? Righteousness, peace, and joy. The kingdom of God is the kingdom of righteousness, of peace, and of joy. And that kingdom is a reality that's supposed to be alive in us, manifest through us, not only for each other, but this is the real people from all walks of life advancing the kingdom of God. So what are we doing? We're wanting to welcome people into the kingdom of God. We're going in the highways and in the byways, and we're going everywhere that we can so that other people can experience this kingdom reality. What's the kingdom reality at The Rock? Man, at The Rock, we're just people from all walks of life. You're going to find people from everywhere there. They come from all different backgrounds, but they're united because the cross unites them. And what there are people, man, they have joy. They have peace. They love each other. They care about each other. And they're not, they're not like this inclusive. You know, you ever been to a church? It's kind of, you got to be a part of the clique. 
That's not what they're about, man. That's not what they're about. They're trying to take this everywhere they go. That's the vision that God has given us. You see, the kingdom of God It's a kingdom that says, this is not about us four no more. It's a kingdom that says, go outside of your doors. There are hurting people who are broken, who are hopeless, who need peace, who need joy, who need someone to stand up for their justice, who would welcome them in and give them a place. We are the kingdom people of God, and we are commissioned by him to bring people into his kingdom, no matter where they come from, what they struggle with, what their preferences are. We are called to bring people out of darkness into his marvelous light. That doesn't mean, listen, that doesn't mean that we accept sin or that we don't preach against certain sin because the culture is now accepting it and making TV shows about it. No, no, we preach against sin. But it, is, it does mean that we know a God who has the power to deliver us from sin. Amen? It doesn't mean that we open the doors and we don't preach Jesus and we don't preach cross and the cross and we don't preach the baptism of the Holy Spirit. No, we're going to preach those things. It just means that we believe greater is he that lives in us than him that lives in the world. Do you believe that today? Do you believe that today? I want people to come into this church from all kinds of backgrounds. I don't care what they come from, what they've dealt with what they've struggled. I believe that there's a God on the cross who has the power to deliver and deliver completely. I believe that. Are you praying for that to happen here at the Rock? Are you praying for that to happen here at the Rock? I hope that you are. I hope that you are. I hope that you're praying that when people come into the Rock, they, that, that they will not feel like they're being judged or condemned that you're praying, oh God, make the rock a welcoming place where people feel your embrace and they come into your kingdom. I hope that you're praying more than that. I hope that you're praying, oh God, make me a welcoming person so that when someone comes in, they find in me a person who walks in joy and in peace and in righteousness, and they would find in me a person that they would take refuge in. Are you with me? Would you stand with me today? Thank you. We're just going to. So I want to take these next couple of weeks. Just that was more of an overview. Um, well, next week we're going to have Zach Mobius with us. And he's our missionary to Laos. And that man is on fire for Jesus. You don't want to miss that. Okay. Coming with a family. You don't want to miss that. If you could be here. Zach uh, Mobius is going to be sharing the word. Uh, we're going we're gonna to continue to talk about the vision that God's given us. We're going um, to talk about, the, after SAC, the, the following week, we're going to talk about the determination, the determination that God's called us to have here at The Rock. And uh, I'm just excited about the conversation that we will have in regards to those determinations in, the, in, in two weeks from now. But today, who are we? You're here and you say, you want to know what's The Rock about? We're real people from all walks of life. Our desire is to advance the kingdom of God through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not our work. It's the work of the Holy Spirit that's alive in us, right? And, uh, and, and that's our desire. That's our longing. Would you pray with me?
Jesus. Oh, Jesus, help us to not only have a wonderful statement, we want to live the statement. Help us to align, our, align ourselves in our ministry in every way to the work of your kingdom. Hallelujah. Lord, we welcome you, Holy Spirit, to seal these truths in our hearts today. Maybe you're here today and with, as we're praying with every head bowed and every eye closed that the Lord leads you to do that today. If you're here today and you're saying, you know what, I want to be a part of this kingdom. I want to be a part of the kingdom of Jesus. I've not given my life to the Lord, but today I want to commit myself to the kingdom of righteousness, of peace, and of joy. I today make a decision to surrender to His Lordship. Maybe today, even as you're hearing these things, you just feel like the Lord is calling you to surrender your life to Him. If that's you right where you're at, would you raise your hand? Amen, hallelujah. Amen. It's right where you're at. Said, I want to surrender to the kingdom of God. Amen. Father, you see my brothers and my sisters who now stand in this place with their hands raised, saying, Lord, I want to live my life surrendered to your kingdom. I want to live my life surrendered to your ways. Oh, God, thank you, Father, for salvation. Today is the day of salvation. Hallelujah. Today, God, your forgiveness and your grace is extended toward us, and you're bringing people into the kingdom. Hallelujah. It's your kingdom. It's not our kingdom. It's your kingdom. We're just servants, and we're excited to be a part of it. Father, be glorified with every hand raised. God, awaken them to the reality of who you called them to be. Oh, God, awaken them to your love and let them know you have a purpose and a plan for their lives. I bless them, Lord Jesus. I thank you, God, today for writing their names in the Lamb's Book of Life. I thank you for destroying the curses that have been spoken over their lives and bringing them, Father God, into your kingdom. Oh, Father, I thank you today that you forgive our sins, that you wash them with your precious blood, and God, that you give us a new heart and you take away the heart of stone. I thank you today that you open our eyes and our ears to hear the voice of your Holy Spirit. And our spirits are awakened to feel when we grieve and, when we, uh, and also when we, uh, when we bring joy to the presence of the Holy Spirit. Oh, thank you, Lord, for doing this in our lives, we pray. In Jesus' name. Maybe you're here today and you're saying, Pastor, um, I realize today as you share that, that part of me has resisted, part of me has resisted um, um, this vision or resisted being about the kingdom of God. I've been in church, uh, you know, I, I, know the, I know the word, but I've resisted the kingdom of God in the sense that I'm not really, I, I don't, my life is not practically lining up to kingdom principles and I want to live not only to celebrate the body of Christ to love the brethren but I want to live also to share the good news with those who don't know it I want to be a person who loves the church and loves unbelievers enough to bring them into the kingdom I want God to do that in my heart and in my life if that's you today would you raise your hand right where you're at yes God yes God yes Lord yes Lord 
Father, today as we're gathered here today, I know that I know that I know that you have not just called us to attend church services. I know that I know that I know that you have not called us to just be church members, but that you called us to love people, to love your people enough to care for them, listen to them, be aware of their griefs, Father God, and love them through it. And that you've called us to bring others who are in darkness into your marvelous light. God, I pray for your anointing to flow through your church, through your people, God. That they would both be excited, look forward, and value highly the church, the people of God. And God, that they would also have reverence for those who don't know you yet. And and that they would be about bringing people into your kingdom. God, anoint us, God. Move in us, Lord God. Oh, God, raise the evangelists, Lord God. Oh, God, uh, give us, uh, give us um, uh, bring to our minds those people that surround us that right now need us to invite them into the kingdom. <laughs> oh, Lord. Some places we just need to go to. The kingdom of God is alive in us in your presence, God. Your presence will be manifested so powerfully through us that it will be felt by those that surround us. Lord, in the name of Jesus, let this, let, let this kingdom reality be real in our lives. Lord, we pray these things. In Jesus' name. Let's sing that. I have decided to follow Jesus. Would you sing that? Yes, Lord. Decided to follow Jesus. 